says, Oh God, you are my God. I hope that's the truth. Because <laughs> uh, it's very easy, we all know this, it's very easy for that to not be the truth. For that to be easy thing to say, an easy thing to put on, an easy thing, easy thing to portray to people that he's, he's my God, he is. But to never walk away from that is something that is, is proven more, not when people are watching, but when people aren't watching. In that deep, dark place where you don't know if it's going to get better, you don't know if it's going to happen. See, what I love about what we're jumping into is this faith business, is that the essence of faith is that there is no other way. If you have faith in something, faith in the Lord, I love the fact that there is no other way than Him. There is no plan B. Do we live that way? Is He God over everything when nobody's looking? Father, we thank you this morning for... Just what you're doing and who you are. And Lord, we need your presence to be in this room. We need you here. Lord, we don't want to move forward until not necessarily that we feel you, because it's not about feelings, Lord, as much as it is about, God, we want to experience you. We want to know that you're here because the characteristics of you being here is what's prevalent. The fruit of you being here, Father, is what's prevalent. So, Lord, I, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you've made today to be. Again, we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. But, Father, we want to receive the Spirit and receive the Word so that we can go out and spend it, so that we can go out and give what's been given to us because of the relationship. So, Father, fill us up today. Highlight your Word today. Let it be more than just a Sunday for us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. So let's, uh, um, Kayla, can you get that stuff out there like right now for me? The stuff for the moms. We're going to spend time, beginning of the service here, honoring the mothers in the room because today is Mother's Day, right? And that has to be done simply because mothers are like no other. I, I tried not to rhyme there. I tried to figure something else out to say, but couldn't do it. Um, I have had the wonderful privilege of having this woman be my mom, and she is, she sets the bar really, really high, and I appreciate that. Um, Mother's Day is so special simply because nobody does a job like a mom does. Fathers, you can't do what a mom does. Sorry. Now, mothers, you can't do what a father does. Understand that. But there's something about a mom that is just, it's so precious. And being able to experience that is a wonderful thing as a child. I know that I've had the wonderful privilege of having a mother who is there all the time. Stay-at-home mom. I could call her if, she need, if I needed something. She didn't have to leave work to come and you know, make sure I was not being a bonehead anymore or forgot, because I forgot something. She was just there. 
But what I also know is that there's two other categories here. People who have experienced not having a mom. Be there for them. Whether that be because mom passed away or mom chose not to. Or you're not yet a mother. See, this Mother's Day and those latter two tie into Romans 4, 19 through 25 in a way that has to do with the, the, the last half uh, excuse me, the first half of verse 20. I almost said the last half of verse 19, but it's the first, first part of verse 20. And it says this, it says, Yet with respect to the promise. And what that means is that there's a lens. There's a viewpoint that we have, not only with relationships in our lives, but with everything. And with your mom. Because it's Mother's Day. We're talking about Mother's Day. Of course I'm going to highlight that, right? Paul speaks to the church at Rome through this letter. And he's using Abraham as an example. And Abraham does something. He takes an assessment. He's critical. And it's of his body. It's of his current situation. And he gets through taking this assessment and we see the result of the assessment. And then he says, yet with respect to the promise... And we'll, we'll get there. Respect to the promise, I didn't waver in faith. I didn't lose confidence. I didn't somehow hold myself up against this wall. I've used this analogy before. And start beating the crap out of yourself. Because we do that sometimes. Moms, you bear children, and guess what? All of a sudden, physically, you're never the same. Right? You sacrifice so much for your children. You sacrifice so much for your for your family, number one, men, we got to honor that. And if you don't, if we don't, the Lord's going to have our butt. <laughs> but other way around, right? Women, we got to honor men, husbands, wives, all that stuff. Different message. I won't rabbit trail, as I already have. But what I want to do this morning is, is honor the mothers in the room because of that position that you hold. And if you don't hold it yet, with respect to the promise, view it that way. If you weren't able to experience your mom to the full extent of what you think you should have, with respect to the promise and who God is. If you were on the other side of the earth, this point on the other side of the earth, basically saying you were as far away from your mom as you possibly could be without blasting off into space she would still be your mom. She would still have carried you for however many months and there's still some kind of, I believe, spiritual, emotional connection with that child. You with me? The Lord set it up that way. He set it up that way and there's something about that that needs to be honored this morning. So, I used this story last year. Um, I'll use it again because I, I just think it boasts well. It, it's, it's just good. Um, Luckily for me, I've never really had to look through like job postings to try to find a job because the Lord at 14 was like, you're going to be a pastor. So I was like, sweet. <laughs> Don't have to go find a job now. Um, but if you have had to do that, you see these uh, job descriptions that get put up and it's here's what you got to do and um, here's the requirements that you got to fulfill and the hours and the pay and the benefits. What if you found one that said, here's a position. 
Let's talk about the hours first. It's a 24 7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week job. Right? And you, immediately you're like, I don't know if I want to do this because I have to be on call all the time. Right? And then, you know, a little bit down the, the sheet, it talks about the benefits that you might be able to receive from this job, aka dental or health insurance or all that stuff. And it's like, look, none of that's going to be provided, sorry. None of that's going to be provided. But what we will compensate you with is maybe some money. More so like kisses and macaroni pictures that were made in kindergarten and just all kinds of stuff that it's like, this isn't going to pay my bills. Right? This isn't going to put food on the table. This job description um, is... Let's just go to the next bullet point, I guess. Um, there's no days off. If it's 24-7, there's no days off. Meaning you can't, you don't get no sick days. And I don't know how it works today, but um, if you're in a job, you get so many hours, they like accumulate, and at some point you get like 22-some hours of paid time off or whatever. There's none of that, right? But what it does say at the end of this thing is that your return on your investment will be the greatest thing that you have ever put your time into. Now that catches your eye. That's the only reason you're continually reading this job description. I ought to have been out after the first one, right? Well, that job description, ladies and gentlemen, is a mother. There's no time off. It's 24-7. There are no benefits, as in health insurance, dent, all that stuff, all right? But for whatever reason, the return on the investment is what keeps a mom coming back. When they pour in, man, could be 18 years down the road. It's, for some, it could be 35, 40, 50 years down the road. There are things that they poured into their kids that come back as a result of the connection that the Lord set up, of being that mother. And I just want to say thank you to all. I mean, I have my real mom sitting here, but I got church moms all over the place. Pull me aside and say something to me, you know. Um, so what we're going to do is compensate you <laughs> with a rose and there's some people in our church who are really really good cooks we got a couple of them there's a couple in first service billy hunley's one of them but thomas thrasher over here this boy can get it all right i'm talking like we need to raise money for a commercial kitchen for this boy because that boy can get on it but he bakes some things and they're not really we were talking about cupcakes at a staff meeting i don't even know what these are thomas would you be able to tell us what they are off the top uh, it's a classic fruit tart. Uh, so it's a sweet tart dough, and then there's pastry cream, um, strawberries, uh, blueberries, and then a, an apricot glaze. See, when that type of language is used, yeah, <laughs> when that type of language is used, you know he knows what he's doing. With an apricot glaze, nicely garnished with long, long, long. I feel like we're in the Food Network right here. But yeah, I will gladly be a mother for today. Yeah, today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but we wanted to make something for you guys. I'm, for all the thousands of hours and thousands of dollars you've poured into your kids, hey, we got a rose and a cookie for you. <laughs> Nothing we give you today will be able to amount to saying thank you. But can I get all the moms in the room to, to stand up just so that we can honor you? Uh, let's give them a round of applause here. Yeah, yeah. So we got some roses back here, and Josiah, and um, I don't know if, uh, Jared, if you want to help pass those out, 
just so that we, yeah, just so we can, Jared, um, and, and just start passing them out here and there, take them, take them to whoever, and then we'll start passing these amazing things. Hey, for, hey, that's for your mom now. That's for your mom now. She didn't birth you so you could take her cookie. All right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so if you are close to a mother who is standing up, I would like you to, yeah, stay standing there. Did you get your rose? Okay, good. Just extend a hand out to one of them, and we're just going to pray for them right quick, and then we're going to jump into the scripture. But let's just, let's honor mothers in the room here. Father, thank you so much for these women. Father, thank you so much for what they represent and how you have um, upheld what they do. Lord, there's, there's, there's something that a mother adds to a child, a, a son or a daughter, that a father can't. Just as much as there's a father that adds something to his kids that a mother can't. But Lord, today is about the woman. Today is about the crescendo of creation. Lord, she was the last thing ever created. And Lord, you put a lot in. <laughs> So that a lot would be given. And Lord, I thank you so much for what has been given through these women. And what will be given through the women who aren't yet mothers in this room. For those who are uh, uh, wanting to, to bring life into this world, Father. Uh, that, is, that is for you to decide. And Lord, we, we thank you for... Um, the heart of each woman who is a mother and the ones who aren't here who are connected to ESS Lord who uh, may be off in the, the mother, uh, Mother's Day festivities right now. We pray that you would bless them as well and let them know that, uh, God, they are much appreciated. And there's, there's no amount, again, of, of cookies or uh, uh, money or flowers or whatever that could um, be as a, as a gift in exchange for what has been given from these, from these women. So I, I pray that you would continue to bless them and uh, show them how important they are to their family in little ways throughout the week and throughout their lives. Um, and thank you for the relationships. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, one more round of applause for the moms. If you have not talked to your mom today already, I mean, what is it? It's almost noon. Number one, you're probably in trouble. Okay? But number two, you got to do it. All right? Even if it's, yeah, just do it so that uh, you don't get in trouble. All right? Happy Mother's Day, Mother. So I don't get in trouble. Awesome. That's good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to jump into Romans here, verse 19 through 25. Now, we came from verse 16 through 18 talking about uh, this faith and grace that have to come hand in hand. And that is what backs up and guarantees this promise. Faith and grace. It's because of grace that the promise was given, but it's through faith that the promise is realized. Does that make sense? Think about it. The Lord can promise you something. He can. And He will. And He'll do it. It says that in these next few verses. But it takes faith in the promise to activate the currents. Faith is the currency of the kingdom to activate the Lord's actually doing it. He promised Abraham something. But it wasn't f until 14 years later that it actually happened. 14 years of faith, that's a lot of, that's a long time. I'm saying, Lord, let it take 14 minutes, not 14 years. But does that
that, do we grasp that, that faith activates the promise coming to fruition? That's the part that we are responsible for. Um, now, if I look over and some of you guys, some of you moms are passed out because you just ate whatever it was and it was amazing, I understand, okay? I'm looking at you guys eat that stuff and I'm like, can I please have one? <laughs> Can't even concentrate on what I'm preaching here. But you get to uh, verse 17, and I'm just going to read this again. I didn't do this in first service, but I feel like it's, it's appropriate for now. It says, in the presence of him who believed, even God... Here we go. Gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Sarah's womb was dead. And he called into life. Into being. Uh, he, excuse me. He called life out of that. And called into being things which did not currently exist. And then it says, verse 18, In hope against hope he believes so that he might become a father of many nations. There's a natural hope. And there's a supernatural hope. The natural hope is... How do I say it? Doesn't have, you don't have a whole lot of confidence in that. Why? Because this man's 100 years old. His wife is 90 years old. They're well beyond childbearing years. We've been over this. All right? But the supernatural hope was because God did something and said something back in Genesis. He brought him outside of the tent and said, Look up. I promise you. And I can't lie. I promise you this will come to fruition. Now in those 14 years, some things happened. There was uh, some Sarah moments, and it wasn't when her name was Sarah. It was actually before her name got changed. And before that, if I say it correctly, was it Sarai? Okay, Sarai. And before Abraham went through the, the transformation through circumcision, his name was Abram. Now, we're going to go over this here in Genesis. But I want to read the scripture first. But before I read the scripture, let me make this statement. That what's about to transpire in these next few verses has a lot to do with being critical of your own situation, your own circumstance, critical of your own physical appearance maybe, your own emotional state, your own your spiritually or the state of uh, the family or the, it doesn't matter. Have you ever, well let me just say this, maybe I have to apologize up here as a pastor that if I've ever told you to never take an assessment of your current situation, then I'm wrong. Oftentimes, you hear me say all the time, hey, don't let your circumstance speak louder than what the Lord's saying. Yeah, that's, that's correct. But Scripture says that we live in this world, but we're not of this world. But we're still living in the world. So what do I do while I'm living here? Is it okay to take an assessment of my current circumstance? I'm here to tell you, look, it is. We're going to see Abraham be critical. We're going to see Abraham pick it apart. And then we're going to see his response to him picking it apart. Which is something that I really believe the church needs to grab a hold of. Us individually in how we see ourselves. How we see our current circumstance. That here's exactly what it is because I live in the world. I'm not of the world. I live in it. But now you know, i got to deal with the natural. With my mind, how do I do that? We're going to go back through Genesis, chapters 15 through 21. Not going to read the whole thing. <gasps> it's okay. All right? It's a lot of reading. But then we're actually going to go to Luke. And Luke chapter 1, verse 5, is a similar situation with an individual named John the Baptist. His parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, 
were also well beyond their years. They were also beyond childbearing capability, whatever you want to call it. Her, excuse me, Elizabeth, was considered barren. That is a... Uh, how do I say that? Uh, um, wow, I'm blanking here. That's an assessment. There we go. I'm sorry. I missed that word. My bad, guys. Awkward pause. All right. That's a pretty critical assessment of the situation. Baron, what does that say in the natural? You won't have kids. Pretty cut and dry, right? His response, Zacharias's response. We're going to put Abraham's response up against Zacharias's response. And ladies and gentlemen, the word teaches us how to act. It does. And I'll say this. Look at the fruit. What is, what is the fruit of your life saying? What is the fruit of your marriage saying? What is the fruit of your parenting saying? What's the fruit of how you're dealing with your circumstance saying? Is it getting better or is it getting worse? Zacharias, he got his mouth shut <laughs> because he didn't believe, because he didn't do it God's way. Whereas Abraham gets blessed. You guys with me this morning? So let's read this. In uh, Romans 4, verse 19 through 25, which I might only get through verse 22 and have to come back next week for 23, 24, and 25, um, simply just because of time. Um, but it says this, verse 19, Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. And here's the assessment. Now, as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise, I'm going to say, with respect to the measuring stick, honoring the measuring stick, honoring the promise, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured, watch this, that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Not only having faith in the promise, but having faith that he's going to bring it. That he's able to perform this. Uh, verse 22, Therefore it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Man, without becoming weak, he took an assessment. He contemplated. Now, which way are we here? CSU's over this way? CSU, this is a college town, right? And everywhere, I think the next biggest employer in Fort Collins is HP. So you got CSU, HP, and what is a university kind of centered around? Going to class, gaining knowledge, being in the know about everything, understanding, gaining knowledge, 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 right? Being an intellectual, let me, be that, let me say that word, being an intellectual. And it says in verse 19, without becoming weak in faith, he became an intellectual about his own body. He came into the know about what was going on. You guys, you and I live in a, in a society right now that, that pushes being intellectual, really. Honestly, I don't really have another um, way of saying that. But what does the church say? Don't think too much. 
Don't think about your circumstance too much. Let God kind of take care of it. And He will. Be careful when you say that. God will take care of it. But I'll say this again. I said this last week. 14 years between the promise and Isaac actually being birthed. Um, Abraham and Sarah had to do what a married couple does in order to bring a child into the world. They didn't just sit back and do nothing, right? This was a miracle of a conception, but it wasn't an immaculate conception. That was Jesus, right? So faith in action is huge. He took the assessment, he was being critical, and he came to a conclusion that now, as good as dead, his body, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now that's heavy. You take an assessment of where you're at, and it's like, I'm this old. I've always wanted kids. I don't have any. I'm not married. I'm this, that, and the other thing. I blew my Achilles up five months ago and can barely walk now. And Let's just go down the list of however many things that I could say aren't where I want them to be in my life. Now you could say the same thing for you. We aren't at this place financially. I'm having trouble doing this and that. Uh, I mean, you just... I don't want you to go there. I'm having a hard time saying, hey, think about all those. Don't think about them. I don't want you to think about them. But here's what I am saying. You can take an assessment and not let the assessment destroy or give value to who you are. Does that make sense? You can take an assessment and not let the assessment destroy or devalue who you are. Why? Because verse 20, that's why. It says, yet with respect, honoring, the promise. Ooh, excuse me, chills just even thinking about it. With respect to the promise of God, not of man. Now, there's people who come to me, meet on a daily basis, some, a weekly basis, excuse me. I don't meet with anybody on a daily basis. That's a little much, all right? I love being a pastor, but not that much, all right? <laughs> weekly basis, bi-weekly, whatever. Counseling, all that stuff. And there's no amount of counseling or things that I can say that will change somebody's life. It says with respect to the promise of God, not of me, not of man, not of what I can tell you, not of how I can counsel you through something. No. I can be a, a representative and a conduit, but it says the promise of God. And then if you go back up to verse 17, what does verse 17 say? This is the type of God that you serve. It says, in presence of him who he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. I would love a promise from him and not from me. Amen? You guys, you guys chugging with me? Thank you, Kayla. Appreciate it. Again, without being weak in faith, he took an assessment of his own body. The assessment was not good, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured... Fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also uh, to perform. Now, if you could, turn to Genesis. Now, Abraham wasn't perfect, all right? We all know this. Before his name was changed, it was Abram. And Genesis chapter 15 through 21 is the progression of this promise being made. 
some, you know, earthly hands being put on the situation, it not really going the way that it needed to, the Lord coming and talking to Abraham um, and, and promising him something face to face. We'll get to the, the circumcision part of it, which I touched on last week, week before. Um, again, the birth of Isaac promised. I just got to read. And then verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 21 is the actual conception, the birth, excuse me, not conception, the birth of Isaac. But through that whole progression there, Abraham wasn't perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to um, have this feeling of, how do I say this? You can have faith even though you don't feel like you do at the moment. Be truthful about the way that you feel, but the way that you feel isn't always the truth. Right? Amen. Be truthful about the way that you feel. Lord, I'm hurting. I want this. But what's the truth? He's going to bring it. Because He promised. Because He said. Right? So, Abraham, in verse, excuse me, chapter 15, Abram was promised a son. And it just says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, verse 1, Abram, in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram, excuse me, Abram responded saying, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar, Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house, is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your body, from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look up towards the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them, and he said, uh, if you are able to count them, and he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he, small h, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now, we used that cross-reference a couple weeks ago because the Jews were using circumcision as your gateway to talk to the Lord. And what Paul says is, look, Abram wasn't circumcised and had a transaction and interaction with the Lord, so I'm going to take what you're doing with this circumcision thing and kick it out the door. It's for everybody. So with this statement, the beginning part of this story, the gospel being an example in Abraham, Abraham being an example of the gospel, is now um, communicatable, if that's even a word, to the Gentiles. Now we get to chapter 17, and Abraham is actually circumcised, and he is considered the father of many nations. He's now able to speak to the Jews as well. So it's the gospel being able to be preached to the non-believer and the believer. So I'll just have to touch on that, right? So then you get into chapter 16, and this is where Sarai, not changed, her name hasn't changed to Sarah yet, puts her hands on the situation. It's like, this hasn't come to fruition. Let me do something about this. Alright? Gives Abraham, Abram at the time, her maidservant as his wife, they conceive Ishmael. Right? That is jumping ahead of the Lord. We've talked about Ishmael and how the nation of Ishmael is fighting against the nation of Israel. Excuse me, the nation of Isaac. Was the nation of Israel came from Isaac. They're still fighting today. There's a reason why the Lord doesn't want you to jump ahead of him. But then in chapter 17, Abraham, like I said, uh, his name is changed and the covenant of circumcision is given. 
But then it says something down here in verse 15, chapter 17. And I know I only have 17 in the uh, um, slides here, but I'm going to read 15. And it says, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. So here her name is changed. Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples with, uh, will come from her. Verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. It's an interesting response. <laughs> and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call him his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And then he speaks about Ishmael after that. But there's a lot in there. He promises Abraham something again. He's reassuring him of the promise. And then saying, change your, your wife's name. Huh. I'm promising this to her as well. We read that, and his response, here's, here's where we see the distinction in response from Abraham and Sarah to when we jump in and read about uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Falls on his face laughing. Personally, I would not have laughed, but there's, there's some truth and there's some interesting, how do I say it, in the Greek... I'll explain it here in a little bit. That wasn't so far-fetched. Alright? Now the birth of Isaac in, in chapter 18 is promised. And the Lord is approaching Abraham's tent with some other men. And the first eight verses are him preparing basically a meal for them. And then verse 9 it says this, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And this he that we're talking about is, is, is God. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now here's the hilarious part of this passage. It says, And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying... After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, see that's funny right there, because he spoke to the head of the household about the response of his wife. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that as a man, he's going to come to you about the response of your wife. Okay, totally different message. Just kind of want you guys to understand the seriousness of that. But anyway... And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am old? If you walk out of here with anything, walk out with this verse, this next verse, verse 14. Genesis 18, verse 14. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Uh, at the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did. See, it's funny to me because 
It's almost like God was talking to Abraham right here and Sarah was kind of out of the picture. But she, God can see her. Well, God can always see her, but vantage point wise. And he's speaking to Abraham and he asks, why did, why did Sarah laugh? Because <laughs> he's saying you'll have a child and she's in the background like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. And then he calls her out and says, so why did you laugh? And she's like, I didn't. Oh, no. I know you did. And then on to the next thing. I just think it's a funny passage. But here we got Abraham falling to his face laughing. We got Sarah laughing. And then I want to read this last part in chapter 21. Now from uh, chapter 18 to 19 and 20, it's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And we don't need to get into all that. But here's when Isaac is born in chapter 21. And this is verse 1. A lot of reading scripture today and that's okay. Because that's what we need to be doing. It says, Isaac is born. This is chapter 1. Excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. It happened, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 3. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Do you guys know, well, you probably don't. I can't even say the Greek word for Isaac. There's a whole lot of phlegm in it, and it's like, it's whatever. You can get onto the internet and get a little example, audio example, all right? I heard it and was like, no way. I'm not even going to do it. But the interpretation of that name is he laughs. It's laughter. So entire nations were built and brought through laughter, through Isaac. And his parents laughed at the fact that God said, you will bear children. You got to understand that the laughter wasn't a challenging of who God is. As much as we see what was said afterwards, they laughed and they said, Lord, how are you going to do it? Okay, now that's going to be a significant thing once we look at Luke. Lord, how are you going to do this since we've heard so many times him say, I'm 100 years old. My wife is 90. I'm barren. I've been wanting this and it hasn't happened for so long. It's, it's, a, it's a, a posture of heart that causes the question to come out the right way. And I'll show you a way where it didn't come out the right way. Not according to Alex, but according to the scripture. Um, but verse 4, and, and I've got to finish 21, um, verse 4. It says, Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God, may, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Verse 18 in chapter 4 of Romans. Hope against hope. Who would have said this woman would have nursed a child at 90 years old? That's a natural hope. But the supernatural hope says that it came to fruition and God was able to do and perform what he said. So let's go on back. Um, before we go back to Romans, flip all the way over to uh, Luke 
chapter 1. And this is why I love the word. Like, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to preach because there's times where it's hard. There's times where I don't want to preach what's in there because it's just not fun. But the scripture will interpret the scripture. And this is what's happening here. Scripture tells us how to react. It tells us how to handle our circumstance and how to have faith. You guys with me this morning? Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It's the birth of John the Baptist foretold. And it says this, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, I think. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child. Here we go. Because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. Sound familiar? Very familiar. Everybody knows John the Baptist. I mean, he's, he came to life. He was a real person. It's not like this story didn't happen. Verse 8, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service, Zacharias, before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. Now back in the day, entering the temple was like super, a super holy place. So what they would do was tie a rope around the priest's foot with bells. And he would go into the holy place and offering, burn incense, all that stuff. And if they didn't hear the bells anymore, they would pull this guy out because he just got waylaid by the, the Lord and he's dead and gone, right? So that was his duty. That's what he's doing. So he's in this holy place, right? Um, out, uh, verse 11, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel. I would be too. And fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. Everybody in here, I guarantee your petition did not fall on deaf ears. There's something in you that you're asking for. He hears you. He does. I lost my place here. Your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the nations of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him, big H, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now that sounds like an amazing promise. Are you kidding me? You're supposed to be filled with joy and gladness and he's going to go before Jesus and he's going to turn people's hearts back to the Lord. And it's, Yes, it's great. What's Zacharias' response? Here we go. Verse 18. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? <laughs> and then he comes with all of his um, uh, attributes that would disqualify him. Uh, he says this, For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. 
Now the response that the angel has to Zacharias is interesting. It says, the angel answers and says to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Mind you, good news. And behold, you shall be silent and able to speak until the day when these things take, uh, take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in the proper time. So here's the same situation. Baron can't have kids. A promise is made. And Zacharias' first response is, how can you guarantee me that this is going to happen? Angel Gabriel is like, look, I just came from the throne room, the Most High. What more do you need? And as a result, I'm going to close your mouth until the promise actually comes to fruition. Zacharias wasn't able to speak because his response wasn't, Father, how are you going to get it done? See, there's a difference in saying, how are you just going to do it? I believe that you can. There's a difference in saying that and then saying, Lord, I need you to prove it. See, we should never say to the Lord, prove it. You can take an assessment and the assessment in the world can look like hope against hope. It can look like it's never going to happen. But our response should be, Lord, how are you going to get it done? And there to be confidence in that question. I know you to be a God who is able to perform anything that you promise because you cannot lie. So my next question is, let me sit back and just watch how you're going to get it done. Not to say, give me a plan B. Give me something that will assure me that this is going to happen. I mean, how often do we need that? Or ask that, excuse me. Lord, just, just give me something so I can just get through this day and assure me that this is going to you know, come to fruition. And he's saying, I gave you Genesis to Revelation. I gave you the scripture that said, this is who I am, and I'm not going to move from this. I never have, never will. So there is an unwavering respect verse 20, with respect to the promise. That respect, when it's unwavering, that honor, when it's unwavering, the Lord will then turn around and honor you through His promise. When the respect is unwavering, the faith is unwavering. You guys see that this morning. This is like totally and completely changed the way that I take an assessment, that I'm critical the Lord never said, don't look at it for what it is. He said, look at it for what it is and know that I am above that. That for whatever it is does not give you value and it does not determine the end. You guys with me this morning? Your current circumstance right now, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, is not the end. Amen. It's not. And you probably can't even see through the storm right now. In some things. I know I can't. There's just stuff, right? And if I'm not real with you this morning about where I'm at, then how can you guys ever be real with where you're at? I don't got it all figured out. I think I say this too many times a Sunday, but I just love saying it. My ducks are not in a row, but they're in the same pond. One's off hanging out in the weeds, and one's over here just doing circles like, ah, it's going crazy. <laughs> at least they're all there, you know? I do not have it figured out. And there's certain things in my life that I, I can't, I don't know if I, I readily see through the storm, but you know what? I have a God who sat in a boat and spoke to the waves and they responded. 
we serve the same God. We serve the same Father who can call life from death and speak things into existence that do not exist. Are you with me this morning? A lot of stuff in there. Now, there's so much in there that verses 22, um, yes, being fully assured that what God had promised, He was able to perform. I think there's a lot in that, just that verse. Uh, and I think I've spoken on it just a little bit already. That It's one thing to have faith in God, the giver of the promise. It's another thing to have faith in His ability to get it done. And what is faith? Faith is the evidence of things, excuse me, the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. But 22 through 25, Therefore it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited. Now this is, in the closing part of this chapter, we, we, we still have to understand who he's talking to. He's talking to the church at Rome through this letter. And they are of the mindset that if I just have, uh, let's say, um, just, we're still on the, the, the issue of justification by faith and not justification by works. So the Jewish nation thinks that we can just do the works of the word the works of the law, excuse me, and be good. So Paul's still speaking to the Jewish nation saying that not for his sake only was it written, his being Abraham, not just for his sake was this written. This isn't just some history lesson. This isn't just some thing written in the, the scrolls that we refer to whenever we feel like sitting around the campfire and singing Kumbaya and having a good story. No. It says, uh, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited. And then it says, as those who believe in him. See, it's credited to you because you believe. It's credited to Abraham because he believed. Circumcision or no circumcision. Child or no child. Then the Lord asked Isaac to take the child up the mountain and sacrifice him. Like, what sense does that make? It didn't matter. He believed. I think I made this comment last week that he believed so much in the resurrecting power of God at that moment bringing life to death. If he brought life to a dead womb, that if he killed his son, the Lord could bring him back. That's how much faith he had in that moment. Man, I need that. In him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Verse 25, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Raised because of our justification. He came back to justify us. We're only justified through His blood. Not through our works, not through the amount of times you come to church, or raise your hand, or clap when the worship pastor says, can we get a clap offering? No. <laughs> None of that. He raised from the dead to come and justify you. And to take away that penalty of sin, which is death. Amen? I don't know. Next week I might... Open up 23 through 25 because I, I feel like I'm missing some stuff. But because of time, we we're not going to be able to dive into that too much more. Um, but 
let me close by saying this as we get the worship team back up, back out, and get prepared for our offering. Uh, the Lord is not asking you to not question or to not take an assessment. But when being critical comes from a place of giving you value and that value begins to decrease because of your assessment, then that's unhealthy. Whereas Abraham, this picture of him taking an assessment of where he's at, and I'm going to use this word, not letting it deter him from his loyalty to the Father. There is something about being loyal to the Father, regardless of what it looks like. But the Scripture telling us that you can look at what it looks like. But don't let that take you away from the awesomeness of who He is. Amen? You guys with me this morning? Let's, let's come up here. You know, I think that the Lord wants to do some stuff with us this morning. I don't know what that is. Let's pray for this right quick. Father, thank you so much for uh, just the word and how it's so clear. It takes us from, from chapter to chapter, book to book, and it's all connected. And Father, we are so grateful to have that as a resource. Uh, as much as having your spirit and your, your, your spoken word and just your influence on our lives. Lord, I thank you for this offering for this morning that what gets put in you show us how to give joyfully. Um, and Lord, we release this to you. It's yours. It was never ours in the beginning. Lord, everything in this world ever created and ever will be created comes from you. And so, Father, that understanding that you are our provider is, is, is monumental in our life. So we love you. We thank you. Bless this so we can bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can pass that. So when I say look at the fruit, you know, we can look at Zacharias and see the fruit of his loyalty. Fruit of his loyalty was, hey man, you got to prove this to me. You got to give me something so I can continue and know that you're going to come through. There's also fruit to abandon, like, how do I say this? A faith that completely abandons any other way. There's fruit to that. And we got to understand that the fruit is the blessing. You abandon plan B. You abandon plan C, D, E, F. Alphabet, numerical, whatever. <laughs> then you step into a place where you understand you cannot do it on your own. And you start relying on the Lord in ways for things that you never, never thought of. Lord, let me get through this intersection safely. <laughs> I'm talking like that. Uh, in a serious moment, I don't want to joke, but Beck stepped off a curb and broke his ankle. It's kind of like saying, Lord, help me step off this curb correctly this time and every time afterwards so that I don't break my knee, my life. You guys with me this morning? There's a loyalty that the Lord is stirring up in this church. Not only to Eus's, but to, to, to the Father. Ah, man. If I know you're loyal to the Lord in everything and that that faith isn't, isn't wavering, man, this church can change this city in a massive, massive way. And that's where we're going, changing the city. So this morning, as we close, let's stand to our feet uh, as we 
get into singing this song, you know, if that loyalty is something that you're missing, then maybe you just need prayer. But in this time of worship, kind of re-up on that one, on that loyalty, and confess that, look, you don't have it figured out. You can't do this on your own. You don't know how to lead your wife until he tells you. You don't know how to follow your husband until he tells you. Does that make sense? I mean, that's, that's real stuff. I don't know how to lead this church until he tells me. <laughs> Lord, please. So maybe re-up on the loyalty business this morning. Uh, yeah, let's sing this and let the Lord kind of do what he wants to do with us in this. It's closing time here. I just get the sense to Lord for you to show us areas in our life and in our walk God that we don't even know needs attention because loyalty isn't something that happens when everything's easy when we know what we need to address when we know what needs to get gotten at Father, when, the, when that thing that we're, we're fighting with and we're struggling with crops its head up and starts to have a voice and starts to say something, Lord, our loyalty in that moment to you and who you are is critical. And so, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us, maybe it's not even today, but through your revelation, driving in the car or at work or in, working out, whatever, Lord, show us areas that need to be addressed. And I pray for the courage enough to address them. That it does not make us a bad follower of Christ. Just as Abraham took an assessment and the reality said to him something that was different than the promise. But respect, with respect to the promise, Lord, you are still his God. And his faith didn't waver. Lord, I pray for that. Pray for the loyalty to you and to your word and to the authority of who you are, Lord, and not to ourselves, is what reigns supreme this morning. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray that you would protect these people as they walk from here, having taken a, a, a step towards you. We know the, the enemy doesn't like that, Lord, so... Clothe these people in the blood of Jesus. Pray that the Spirit goes before them and comes after them and is all around them, Father. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You guys are free to go.